Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Stock Talk. This is a little podcast that I've thrown together where I like to talk about all things investing. The goal here really is to share with you some of my takes, some of my observations, some other other people's takes about what's going on in the markets, and also to share with you some of my own thought processes, thought processes that I'm using into that's going into my own personal investment decisions that I'm making. The goal really here is hopefully you be able to take some nuggets of information, some insights, some perspectives, and be able to take some of these ideas and bring them back to your own personal situation and hopefully help you make better uh, investment decisions on your own. My name is Amin Reina and I'm an investment coach and founder of Sage Investors. And as an investment coach, what I do is I try to help people who want to become more financially independent. The problem is when you get into investing, when people start looking at investing, they get they freeze, they get intimidated, get confused, frustrated by the whole concept. Uh, they either, you know, if you're just starting out investing, they don't know where to start, or they've been investing for a long time, they just aren't happy with the way their, their portfolios are, are evolving. So what do I do as an investment coach is, is I teach people. I try to teach people, I try to engage with people on how to make more educated and ultimately more successful investment decisions so that they can achieve a certain level of financial freedom in their lives and, and achieve it with confidence. So this is episode 113, 113 and today I'm going to talk about robo-advisors and uh, probably one of the big um, changes or emerging ideas, concepts. Uh, product services that have, have come out in, in the financial services industry and the investing industry has been the proliferation of these uh, online wealth management uh, companies, websites, portals. Um, they've been kind of given the nickname robo-advisors and what they are essentially is uh, a website where you, you go in, you log in and you answer a bunch of questions about your life, about your risk tolerances and what will happen is this service will take those answers and try to figure out what would be an appropriate portfolio of stocks and bonds that you should hold. And then what they would do is just is manage, um, invest. You give them your money, give some money, and they would go and invest um, your savings into a portfolio and create a portfolio of stocks and bonds and manage it, rebalance it, and uh, do it all for you. And the value proposition, really, uh, of this robo-advisor service has been simplicity in terms of utilizing products like ETFs, um, low-cost, um, transparency, much more transparent in terms of what's going on in your portfolio, and, and accessible in the fact that it's, it's online, it's, it's, you, can, you can access it on your phone, you can set up your accounts on your phone. Uh, it's just easily available and it's it's created a lot of disruption in, in the industry there's a lot of money now going into these type of services and so much so that, that the banks and traditional wealth management companies are, are getting into the act and setting up their own services so there's a lot of good things you know that, that are being out there that are being marketed about robo advisor services but there's one thing that's been from my perspective I, I feel that's been missing and and that's performance uh, do these type of services, does this type of um, service model um, do any better a job in generating performance, in creating wealth for, for, for customers than traditional forms of investing, you know, either doing it yourself or getting a, uh, an advisor or a brokerage company to, to manage your money or a personal uh, financial planner to manage your money. 
Is a robo-advisor, is having a bunch of algorithms and software going to do a better job of creating wealth for you than traditional ways that we have been investing? So I've been asked, I've been constantly asking this question and a lot of times I've asked this question to the people in the industry and a lot, and most of the time I pretty much get blank stares or a response of, you know, we're not really interested in performance because research has shown that pulling a diverse uh, basket of uh, stocks and bonds is going to, and passively to own those things at a low cost is going to generate higher performance than um, traditional uh, actively managed kind of portfolios. And that's kind of the constant thing. It's always coming back to research, which is great. Fine. I don't disagree with the research. The research is great, but the research is also research. It's very academic. The fact of the matter is I'm giving you money. Are you going to deliver that service? And are you going to deliver, do you have the competencies and the skills to generate a type of performance that's going to allow me to meet my financial goals? And a lot of times the industry just doesn't want to answer that question. They don't want to go there. It's getting better, um, but it's it's still a lot of, a lot of companies, uh, robo-advisor companies just don't want to go there. So what I did three years ago, when these things were just starting to kind of get some traction out there, you know, I was asking these questions and... I said, you know, I wasn't getting the answers that I was satisfied with, so I, I decided to do an experiment. And I, essentially, what I did was I took five thousand dollars of my own money and I put it into, I plunked it into one of these robo advisor companies, and I just wanted to see for myself, well, well, like, how do these things behave? Do these things generate the type of performance? Uh, do they generate any meaningful uh, positive performance? Are they doing what they say they are claiming to be in terms of simplicity, low cost, transparency? Um, so I, I said I kind of use this as an experiment, not a very scientific one, because I'm just essentially picking, uh, in, I'm investing my money in, in one robo advisor service. Uh, and uh, the goal was just to see, okay, how do these things behave? Because a lot of the stuff you see out there in terms of how these things are being reviewed and marketed, it's very, you know, superficial. I find it's very plasticky. It doesn't really get down to the essence of how these things work in terms of looking under the hood um, and seeing how these things operate. So what I've been doing three years ago, I set up an account and I've been just blogging about my experience, podcasting about my experience, sharing with you um, what I've been seeing going on with my own portfolio and hopefully using that as sort of a jumping, a stepping stone for people to get a better understanding of what these robo-advisor services are and what they're all about. And hopefully you can make a much more informed decision about whether it's more compatible, if this type of service would be compatible for something in, uh, in your life circumstance. So as I said, I picked one robo so I didn't really um, do any research. and. The goal here is not to pick on a company and say, ha ha ha, this company sucks. Um, the goal here is just, I'm here to, to, to understand the whole business model, the experience, and ultimately the results that are delivered. So when I've been blogging about it and podcasting, I haven't referred to actually the name of the company. If you go into my uh, website and my previous blogs and podcasts, I don't make any reference of the name of the company. I just call it Robo. And that's really to be, out of, to be fair to the company and also because I don't want to be looking at this company as, uh, you know, I don't want to be endorsing if it's doing a great job. I don't want to be like some kind of uh, spokesman for this company. I have no desire to be. That's not what I am. That's not what I do here with my practice. Um, it's to understand this type of philosophy, this type of methodology, this type of approach. So as I said, three years ago, so it's been three years now that I've set up this portfolio and uh, I've been blogging about it, I've been uh, tweeting about it, whatever, writing about it. So I've reached 
just just this past few weeks ago, we just reached the three-year anniversary. So. What I usually do is I, at the anniversary stage, I kind of want to jump in and look under the hood and take a look and see what's going on with the portfolio, see how it's been performing, and share kind of some insights and interesting observations that I have, I've come across with. Um, do that. So I kind of do this twice a year. I do it at the midpoint of the year and also at the end of the year. So I've been doing this for three years. It's three years now. It's crazy how fast time flies. And so. I, uh, if you go on my website, sageinvestors.ca, I have a full review of of, the, of, the, of my por of my robo portfolio, and uh, so today's broadcast is really I'm just going to give you some of the highlights of it, and if you want want to get more details, you can go onto my onto my blog post uh, that I did uh, on there. So uh, if you go on my if you're listening to the podcast, there should be a link also that'll take you directly to the to the to the blog. So we'll go there. All right, so let's just. Uh, Let's just go through. Let's just see what, like what's what's been happening with my portfolio since I, you know, for the last three years, and specifically over the past year. Um, so let's look at. Da, 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 da. I'm gonna start here because I got so many things here going on. Um, well, basically, the first thing I want to look at, you know, as I said, one of the reasons why I, I, I'm, I'm doing this was to. Um, See is, is performance. I want to see how these things actually perform. And so, the past year you know, has been an incredible, has been an epic year for stock prices. Uh, if you, the average return on the stock market last year was 28%, which is unbelievable. So, one of the things I want to see with my robo portfolio is has it gotten its cut? I don't, you know, as I said, I don't expect it to outperform. Uh, I'm not looking for outperformance. I'm just looking for performance and seeing what kind of performance does these does, does did my portfolio generate. Uh, so when I set up my service, when I set up my account, as I said, you go and you ask, you answer a whole bunch of questions about your life, your risk profile, how you behave in certain situations, and it designs a portfolio. So my portfolio, my robo advisor, created a portfolio with uh, that is essentially 85% stocks, 15%. Uh, bonds. It basically determined that, given my level of experience as an investor, my comfort level with risk, um, that it determined that I could take a much more, uh, and obviously where I am in my life, the age of my life, my family situation, all that stuff, that I'm suitable to take on a very aggressive portfolio. So it designed a portfolio that was 85% equities. So in terms of returns for the for this past year, the robo. Um, my portfolio generated a return of 14.2%. And compare that to the previous year, it was 13.2%. And in the first year that I had set up the account, it was down 2.15%. So 14.2.2% is fantastic. That's a fantastic return. Uh, when you layer it with, when you compare it to long-term performance, you know, long-term returns of stocks, if you go back 150 years, is between six to eight percent. So if you're getting 14 percent return, that's amazing. And so what it's showing me is that in a really great market that we've been through, last year was a really good uh, market for stocks. Same with the previous year, um, the portfolio seems to have done a pretty good job at generating a pretty meaningful return. So 14 point, 14 percent, 13 percent. Those are pretty good, solid years, and uh, there's no shame in that. So I have to give I have to give my robo my robo guy, or girl, or algorithm, sorry, um, full props. It's you know it's definitely delivering the goods uh, with respect to with respect to performance. Um, I looked at you know if you break down the returns, 
this past year, it generated uh, a portfolio increased uh, about $780, $777. And of that $777, $132 was from dividend income. So that's about $500. And again, granted, I just again, remind you, I put $5,000 into this. It's not like I put like, you know, I didn't put my entire life savings into a service. I just took a small chunk of uh, cash and, and put it in and put it into the service. If we go back the three years, um, so the, my portfolio is up in total 24, almost 25%. So that's the day I started it up. Again, that's pretty, that's pretty damn good. That's pretty solid. And uh, yeah, it's, no, it's all good from that perspective. Um, I think a big reason of it, when you break it down into how, like where those returns got generated, a lot of that got generated from the US component. I had, my portfolio now has two ETFs in there that invest in a broad basket of US stocks. And they generated returns last year of 34.5% and 17%. Um, the foreign equity component generated, I think it was 17%. And I think, I believe, I don't have that number on me. I didn't get that detail. Um, even the uh, emerging markets component, uh, equity component was a really solid performer last year. The only thing uh, area in my equity component that was somewhat weak was the Canadian equity portion. That was only up 5%. Um, so it was kind of a laggard in there. So, um, so you know, all the way down, it's pretty solid. The, the other laggards in the portfolio were the bond side of it. They were, I was down um, a few percentage points on each side of uh, the two uh, bond ETFs that I had. Um, they were down... Uh, they were they were the only ones in the loss position. So the equity component was up, bond por portion was down, which kind of in a way makes sense because I think we've been seeing a bit of a rotation out of equities, uh, into I mean out of bonds as interest rates have slowly kind of creeped up and into the whole equity thing, and that kind of let steamrolled and snowballed uh, as as the year went along last year, as more and more money was coming out of uh, traditional actively managed portfolios into ETFs. So there was a lot of there's a lot of juice. There's a lot of Red Bull going on in the, in the equity markets last year, and it appears that my portfolio, my robo portfolio, it's kind of was coming along for the ride. I mean, I generated the same level of returns, but it was generating returns. I was getting my cut, getting my share. And that's ultimately all you want to see as an investor. Um, and I think that's a realistic expectation to have as an investor. Um, <clears throat> over the course of the year, um, for those who've been following my little journey here with my robo portfolio, you'll know I, I had a, there was a significant change in the asset allocation uh, halfway through the year. And, I, and if you go on my website and I, I did a podcast and I did a, a blog post on this because, and I went into a lot more detail on that. Um, basically, <clears throat> uh, the, when you look at the when you look at my asset allocation in my equity component, almost 55% of my equity exposure is in Canadian and U.S. equities, which is to me pretty high, and also is quite surprising because it's showing a, a great deal of um, geographic bias, which is interesting again because you know these are computers algorithms. You would think uh, that are designing this portfolio and managing this portfolio. You would think that programmers, designers would kind of copy, build in some kind of logic um, in terms of having that geographic exposure, but it appears not. Like literally, you know, 55, almost 60% of my assets, my equity exposure is in U.S. stocks. And right now, because U.S. and Canadian stocks, and yeah, the market's had a really great year, and that can explain why my portfolio has been doing well, because 
hey, my, 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 my robo, my robo-advisor has, has made a clearly a conscious decision to be more heavily weighted into North American equities. And so right now it's paying off and obviously the returns are, are, are following right now. So it's making a great decision. The thing that gets me thinking is, okay, things are great right now, but what happens when things slow down and when the market crops out and corrects, which it will at some point, I'm pretty exposed to the North American side. Is you know as great things as great as things are right now. What could happen on the flip side? And so I'm a little bit confused. I'm a little bit puzzled, and I'm also a bit concerned that yeah, things are great right now, but at some point, if things flip, then this could totally this story can totally go the other way. So um, and the other side of it too, which is which I'm still trying to figure out is my U.S. components. I used to have only one ETF that just basically invested in the whole U.S. stock market, small cap, mid cap, large cap, had total exposure to U.S. equities. Now I have two ETFs that are doing essentially the same thing and one is charging a higher value and to me it doesn't make any sense because you know you're talking your value proposition of simple, you know, managing portfolios simply. Having two portfolio, two ETFs doing essentially the same thing, overlapping each other, doesn't, you know, sound like simplicity to me. and. For those of you who've been following my my my, uh, my reports, I actually called my robo advisor and asked them like, why do I have two ETFs that are investing in the U.S. equities component? And the answers that I got were, you know, pretty pretty weak. And I was expecting a much more, you know, informed uh, rationale and reasoning behind it. But all I got was um, the, the 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 robo advisors, the algorithms prefer to have as much exposure to a variety of ETFs which again, totally doesn't make sense to me, but okay, that's what they're doing. So again, I'm just sharing you what the thought process uh, that goes into it. Um, while we're talking about the asset allocation of my portfolio, um, I'll save that for, for the later part. The only other change really, besides this, this weighting in terms of US Canadian uh, equities, was since my last update, um, my robo-advisor has made another tweak to my portfolio and that's the bond side of it. It sold my uh, BMO corporate bond ETF and it replaced it with the iShare short-term bond ETF. Um, the rationale being, they said, was the costs were a, lot, a, little, were a little bit lower. We're just really a cost issue. It was just a little bit lower on the cost side of it. Um, so that's the only real other change into it. Some observ well, I'll, I'll save my observations for for the for for the end. Um, what else can I share with you? So one thing I, when I look at now my portfolio the way it is right now and compared to where it was three years ago, I think I would I would class my portfolio now my robo portfolio to be a little bit more passive in flavor. When it was originally set up, there was all kinds of these other uh, ETFs in it. There was there was a lot of stuff from the purpose ETFs. There was a, uh, they had a real estate ETF, a low volatility ETF, um, a dividend uh, ETF. There was so much like actively managed kind of ETFs sitting in what was supposedly a pa supposedly supposed to be a passively managed portfolio. This is when it started, but over the last three years, there's been a sort of a shift. I can, you know, as I've reported, there's been a bit of a shift in terms of now, there are no more purpose portfolio uh, purpose ETFs in my portfolio. 
Um, and they've been replaced with more iShares, Vanguard-style, BMO-style uh, ETFs, which are much more passive-focused uh, and also carry a lower cost. So that's one interesting um, observation that's there. But it leads to kind of one of my uh, conclusions. If I were to, well, I'll, you know what? I'm going to even get to that conclusion right now. Um, I'll save it for the end. Um, so that's one other observation I've known that, that my portfolio now I think is has a much more passive uh, approach to it, which is fine. Which is that's what is that's my robo advisor's value proposition was offering that. So the fact that they did that is uh, they're now much more aligned to what their uh, what their value proposition is. So that's a good thing um, from that perspective. I guess the journey to get there has been a little bit strange, but it seems like they're they're getting there. Um, when we look at fees. Another, again, component which has made um, robo-advisors appealing is they claim to manage your portfolios at a much lower cost than traditional investment platforms. And so when I looked at the fees that I paid this past year, and granted, again, this is a $5,000 portfolio I have right now, $6,000 portfolio right now. Um, last year, I paid a total of $25 in fees. Uh, to the robo-advisor and that's compared to the previous year where I paid $11 in fees. So, you know, $11 to 25, that's like a 228% increase. So that's, that's an increase, but again, context here, it's a $5,000 portfolio, $25 is not, you know, huge buckets of, of money that's going out of the, my pocket and into somebody else's pocket. Um, when you look at on a percentage of assets basis, my total costs were, um, 0.39%. And then when you add the costs of my the individual ETFs that I have in my portfolio, there's a, a management expense ratio associated with those portfolios. Um, that was in another 0.1%. So my total costs that I paid last year was 0.49, half a percent. Um, and you compare that to my previous, the previous year, it was 0.42%. Uh, so my costs have gone up a bit, um, but they're still relatively low and they're reasonably low and I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, the fact of the matter is um, I'm essentially paying my robo-advisor 0.4% to manage my money for me. And then I'm paying the ETF companies 0.1% to just buy, you know, just the transaction cost of owning and buying and selling the ETF. So half a percent is, pretty that's pretty good that's that's pretty decent that's a pretty decent amount like if this was like over one one and a half percent two percent which are like a lot of traditional mutual funds and traditional actively managed portfolios charge much much higher fees so it's definitely very competitive um, compared to traditional uh, investment platforms um, again I have to provide some context here the robo advisor that I'm using doesn't charge you fees on your first $5,000. And that's kind of maybe the logic why I used to, I went with this portfolio because they said the first $5,000 you don't pay fees, but anything above that, you start to pay fees. So the fact of the matter is my portfolio was increasing, you know, increased a fair bit this year. It got into a point where now it was starting to charge me more for my portfolio. And that's, I think, a big reason why my, my costs went up. So, you know, $5,000 is not a big, you know, a big chunk of money really for investing, but, you know, for a lot of other people, they who may have $25,000, $50,000, $100,000, if they had invested in the same portfolio or used the same robo-advisors, the robo-advisor would have charged them an additional half percent um, on based on their assets. So if I was investing more money 
into my robo portfolio, I would be playing probably closer to 1% for my, in terms of my total cost, which again, compared to traditional platforms is, is still, is definitely very cheap, um, but it's 1%. And you, again, one of the things I keep asking, I've asked myself is, and I ask people is, couldn't you just take this portfolio of ETFs and just do it yourself and pay only 0.1% or 0.2% to manage the whole thing compared to paying 1% to get a robo-advisor to do that. And so from that pursuit, so you kind of have to weigh the pros and cons of doing it because I can't just make a blanket statement saying, yeah, these guys charge 1%, so you guys have to, you know, don't bother going with them. You know, we're, you know, one of the things I talk about and one of the things I, I work with people on is trying to find their proper investing path. And for a lot of people, their lives are busy, you got kids, you just don't have time to figure out what kind of ETFs or stocks to buy. Maybe it's just better and more easier for your life to have somebody or a computer or somebody else manage your money on your behalf. So here you go, here's here's your comparative, uh, um, <clears throat> your comparatives in terms of figuring out, okay, if that's the path that's investing path that's good for you, Here's what that looks like for you. So fees seem to be pretty in line and pretty reasonable um, overall. Uh, what other observations can I share with you? Um, I guess the other thing you need to be aware of with robo-advisors when you're using them is once you sign up for them, uh, when you register for one, open an account, you'll often talk to somebody who's gonna kinda wanna talk to you and you can ask questions and, and things like that. My experience with Robo, and I did that. I set my up my account, and I had a chance to talk to one of the advisors over there, and uh, you know we had a good chat about you know what the fund is about, what they do, and all that kind of stuff. But after that, I really haven't in the three years that I've had my portfolio, I have not really talked to, to a human being since then. The only except for one time, which was during this past year, which I blogged about when I called up my Robo, I called up my Robo, I initiated the call to the company to get some clarification about why um, I have two US ETFs now in my portfolio that are essentially doing the same thing and one of them which is a, carries a higher cost. That's Other than that, I have not spoken to a human being from my robo-advisor service. My communication with my robo-advisor company has been really through emails. I will get the periodic, you know, if the markets are a little, you know, iffy, I'll get the periodic, you know, keep calm and carry on, don't do anything rash, this is normal. I'll get that, you know, comfort email. Um, but recently what I also will get, and this is something that's a recent observation, is that I'm now starting to get alerts from my robo-advisor in terms of when they make decisions in my portfolio. Like for example, when my robo-advisor decided to switch out of that um, BMO, uh, that BMO short-term, uh, BMO corporate bond ETF into the uh, iShares short-term bond ETF, I got an email, I got an alert saying, FYI, we've made this change in your portfolio. This is why we've done it. This is the rationale, you know, thank you. And I found that was a really good thing to do um, because I think it keeps you informed and I think as an investor it keeps you engaged in the process of what's going on with your money instead of having to just wait for a statement to show up you can get that access to it and I think it's I think that's a good thing for us because I, I believe very much that we need to be really engaged with our investments and engage with our money to make sure it's doing the things it's being utilized for the things that should be used so 
when it did that, when I got that alert, um, I thought it was a really good thing, and I, I, I actually I give uh, my uh, give my robo advisor a, a great deal of credit for for actually engaging and putting that kind of process and putting that kind of communication in into their workflow. So good thing. So that's uh, definitely a good thing. So that's something you kind of maybe want to look at for if you're looking at robo advisors: how effectively and frequently do they engage with you on certain real time events that are going on with your money? Because um, ultimately, I think it's a it's a good thing to to have that level. Of, of engagement um, so yeah that's kind of uh, those are some kind of the big highlights really of what's been going on with the portfolio over the past year so here's the first, here's the reality we're now you know I've had this thing for three years and when I started doing this little process this extra this experiment I really said to myself I think to really understand the value of these things you need a good five years of, of performance, a good, year, a good five year track record to really understand how these things behave, what's good about them, what's not good about them. And I think then you can get a really better idea of whether this type of platform, this online investing platform is something really worth considering, um, worthy, worth, worthy of consideration for, for an investor. So we're three years in, so we're more than halfway through it. and. Well, I'm not ready to kind of pound the table on this kind of service. I think I've there's some things that I've gone on that I've seen now with the robo with this robo with robo advisor model that I think I can come to some pretty comfortable conclusions about. And I talk about it again on my on my blog, but there's really three that jump out at me. And the first one, you know, as it pertains to performance, I think it's pretty clear that you know after seeing these things perform. Um, that when the markets are doing really well, these things will do really well. They'll piggyback pretty nicely uh, on the way the market is going. So um, I think it's reasonable to expect that when the markets are doing well, these type of portfolios are gonna do very well. The thing about the robo-advisor services, what we don't know about them is we don't really know how these things are gonna behave in a really bad market, when when in a bear market. Essentially, these, these, these businesses, these robo-advisor services, have been operating strictly within a bull market. They started about three years ago. The last three years, the markets have been just, and really the last 10 years, the markets have just been surging year after year after year. There really hasn't been a major, since the financial crisis, there hasn't been a major stress point in the markets. Uh, there hasn't been. And when there has been, there have just been stops and starts. We haven't really seen a sustained level of bearishness in, in by investors in, in the stock market. So we really don't know how these things are gonna behave. And I think the jury is still out. And I'm still, the jury is still out for me to see truly how these things, because ultimately what we want as investors, when things are good, we wanna be generating returns. But when things are bad, we want to be we want to be preserving our capital. We want to be, we're not, we don't want to be losing money, right? We want, we never want to lose money, but when times are bad, you know you're going to lose money, but you want to be able to manage your losses effectively. And so one thing we don't know about these services are how these companies, how these robo uh, portfolios um, manage during stressful times. And so that's kind of the outlier right now. And I think that's once we get through a cycle of that, I think then we'll have a pretty be much better idea of how these things are really performing, and then we'll get a much better sense of, in terms of that, that value that it can offer. Um, the other observation that I have is, that I conclude is, 
As much as these things are marketed as very passive-oriented approaches to investing, utilizing passive-oriented, low-cost uh, ETFs that invest in broad market indexes, um, my portfolio has gone through a great deal of churn uh, in the last three years. Like every year, there's been a major change in the composition of while the you know while the 85-15 equity bond allocation has been. Um, consistent, it's pretty much stayed the same way. Within that 85% and within that 15%, there have been changes and there's been a lot of turnover. As I said, you know, when I started, I had a whole bunch of purpose ETFs in there. I don't have them anymore. So I've been, you know, they've rotated out of those into more uh, passively oriented uh, ETFs, which is great. Um, but also, you know, the fact of the matter is, you know, 55% of my portfolio now is now in Canadian and US equities before it was much lower. It was much more broadly diverse. Uh, so as much as these companies talk about them being more passive oriented in terms of how they manage portfolios, they might be using passive oriented products, but they are very actively managing my portfolio. The fact that my, I was actually, I'm quite surprised that my portfolio has gone through as much change as it's gone through in, in only three years, like every year there's been some kind of major adjustment in my portfolio. And ultimately, when you're talking about passive investing, there shouldn't be any of that. There should just be, here's your portfolio, and you just kind of ride along. There shouldn't be any tweaking and tinkering going on in the side, uh, on the margins. And so that to me is, you know, when I look at it, I, I would say 75% of my portfolio has been turned over in the last three years. And, you know, the way they market these things is sort of like a set it and forget it mentality, but, I think the reality is my experience watching how these things are behaving, how my portfolio has been behaving and how it's been managed, they're very much active, active oriented approaches to managing my portfolio. So I think that's another takeaway that I can come to a conclusion with um, in terms of how these things are managed. The final conclusion I think I can come, I feel really comfortable sharing with you is that is the cost side of it. When you compare these services to traditional actively managed uh, services, mutual funds um, that charge two, three, four percent in commissions uh, in, in costs, transaction costs per year. Robo-advisors are definitely much cheaper and the fact of the matter is they're using obviously cheaper products, investment products and their office and their office and their their overhead I guess to a certain extent is lower so they can pass those lower costs to their customers. So I definitely say if you're comparing doing going with a robo-advisor or you're going with a traditional mutual fund or you're going with a planner, um, robo-advisors are definitely cheaper. You keep more money in your pocket. So I think those are three right now major takeaways that I get three years now into observing these portfolios, observing my portfolio is and when the times are good, these things are great. We don't know how these things are gonna behave though in bad times, and that's kind of the outlier right now, and that's kind of the wild card for me in terms of before really pounding the table on this type of service. Um, they are actively managed. As much as they use active, passively managed products, they are actively managed. And finally, they're definitely cheaper than using a traditional investment uh, advisory kind of service. So. Those are my takeaways so far. Those are my updates. If you want to read more about what I've talked about, uh, shared with you, you can go to my website, sageinvestors.ca. Um, just click on blog and you should find uh, the updates, uh, my latest updates, and also my previous update. If you want to go back 
three years ago and see, you know, I talk about, you know, when I set up my experience setting up an account, just my general experiences with the portfolio and using the service. Um, you can go back to my blog page on sageinvestors.ca and uh, you'll get my entire journey and history of my experience using a robo-advisor there. Um, do it. So I welcome you. If you're thinking about looking at a, uh, putting some money into a robo-advisor service, uh, hopefully I, uh, jump on some of my blog posts and hopefully it'll give you a little bit more. I think it'll give you more context, a little bit more detail, a little bit more meat compared to what you're gonna read uh, from other places, other uh, online services, online blogs, um, who give a very, I think it give a very superficial look at this type of service. So I invite you to check it out. Um, if you have any questions about this, you can hit me through my website, sageinvestors.ca. Uh, I'm on Twitter. Uh, you can follow me. My handle is at sageinvestors. I'm on there all the time tweeting about real-time, uh, sharing with uh, you real-time observations about the market, my own investment decisions that I'm making in real time. So you can check me out on Twitter. I'm on Facebook too. My uh, homepage is Sage Investors. So go look for me there. I post all my content through there. If you're interested in getting on my weekly email list, I send out an email every Wednesday morning sharing with you like my newest po podcasts and videos and updates on my website, but also sharing with you information that I'm reading in real time that I'm using in terms of helping me frame my own investment decisions. So if you wanna jump on that email list, it's growing and growing and growing. Um, you can register through my website, sageinvestors.ca. Um, yeah, there we go. So hopefully that's, that's been insightful for you. And if you have, you know, have any questions, feel free to give me a shout. All my podcasts are all on iTunes, so feel free to subscribe, leave a comment, and uh, enjoy away, uh, enjoy away, all that kind of stuff. So that's all I got for you this week. Um, it's been another episode of Stock Talk. Thanks for listening in. I really appreciate it, and I hope you're getting some value out of this. And good luck. Good luck to you on your investing journey. My name is Amon Rene again from Sage Investors, and we'll catch you again another time. Take care. Bye-bye.